Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Braceres from Independent Women's Law Center. Earlier this month, a New Jersey state jury ordered Johnson & Johnson to pay $750 million in punitive damages to four people who said the company's talcum powder caused cancer. That amount was later reduced by the judge to $186.5 million. Here to break down the allegations against Johnson & Johnson and to discuss the recent rise in lawsuits against common household products is Julie Gunlock, Director of IWF Center for Progress and Innovation. Welcome, Julie. Thanks for having me. So what's going on with baby powder? Should we all be afraid to use it? <laughs> uh, no, no. I, in fact, I, uh, I, I, I use it, um, uh, and, and I think, Consumers should feel confident to continue using it. Um, what we see here is is um, is a very common thing, and it's not just with Johnson and Johnson. It's, just, it's not just with talcum powder. We see a lot of these lawsuits popping up now for, like you said, common household items, but also things like uh, pesticides um, and certain agricultural products and chemicals in general. Um, and what it involves is the use of this particular product caused this particular kind of disease or cancer um, or, or health issue. Um, and, and these are very significant uh, uh, lawsuits. And as you mentioned, they, they often come out with, with pr pretty serious payouts, which are then usually reduced um, in appeal. Um, but, but still, there's two things that happen here. First of all, these, these companies are now, um, and when, when you see these huge payouts, it tends to be a domino effect. Um, then people will say, well, hey, you know, I use that product and, uh, and or, you know, I use that product and I'm now sick and, and maybe that's the connection. Um, and so you'll, you'll see other people piling on and filing lawsuits. Um, so that's a real problem for these companies. But there's a different thing that happens and that is it really um, affects consumer confidence in these products. And so you have mm. people going, oh, Gosh, uh, and this this is sort of out of the legal sphere, um, and, and actually can can even be more damaging, I would say, because it makes people go, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe this product isn't safe. That's something that businesses, um, I, I think, are are probably more worried about. Just the idea that their products are suddenly seen as unsafe, are uh, cancer causing, and that can really right. have have a, a you know a huge impact on their on their on the success of their business. I think one thing that contributes to a lack of consumer confidence is not just the verdicts themselves, but the relentless advertising that the plaintiff's bar does to recruit plaintiffs to their cause. Yeah. So, you know, my 84-year-old mother-in-law constantly sees these ads. You know, if you or someone you know has used Roundup and has cancer, please call this number. And you know, she sees it every yeah. single day, and so now right. she's paranoid to go out and garden. 
Well, the the interesting thing is too is that what you don't hear about it's not it, you know it's, yes it's the relentless advertising but it's also the relentless media attention on the negative. Okay, so I've always said this, it, you know, and look, this is this is not just me talking about it. If it bleeds, it leads is the 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 um the term that we always hear about the media, right? They're gonna they're going to report bad news or scary news much more than good news because it gets the clicks. Okay, you're gonna click on the, uh, something bad. Um, rather than maybe a, a you know, a, oh, hey, here's some good news. <laughs> you know, this product is totally safe. That's not something that's going to get attention. And so you've got this relentless media attention. The truth is, is that, and so again, so you have major headlines that come out. You mentioned that case, that settlement that just happened, um, or that ruling that just happened, and, and that massive payout. That got a ton, hundreds of headlines, right? Well, what you don't hear about is is the fact that Johnson and Johnson won the last four recent court cases, and that since 2018 the verdicts have been pretty evenly split. Okay, so they had eight plaintiff wins and ten defense wins. Okay, but you never hear about the defense wins. Okay, you only hear about the um, the massively huge. Uh, payouts. What you also don't hear is that judges are often reducing these absurdly high settlements. Um, so right. there is, it's, it's both that you, you know, it's, it's, it's not only the, the advertisements, but it's also the, the media attention that is overwhelmingly negative. Right. And as you point out, the media, the media doesn't cover scientific studies because that's dry and that's boring. They, they cover sensational jury verdicts. So, you know, right. a comprehensive study of 250,000, you know, women that was recently released by the U.S. government um, and published in the Journal of the American Medical Association found no strong link uh, between baby powder and ovarian cancer. I'm just reading that off a, a, a Google search I did, but that was one tiny thing right. in, a, in a scientific right. journal. <laughs> CBS News isn't reporting that. CNN isn't right. reporting that. So yeah, I admire so your googling search skills. Yes, thank <laughs> you, thank you very I admire, much. I, because, because honestly, no, I say that because it's actually hard to find something that's reassuring. Is it? It's, it's, it's difficult to find something reassuring. But you're right; it's out there. It's just usually buried in these medical journals that no one's reading. Right. No one's going to go online and and do the <laughs> do the Google research and dig into the the JMA journal before they purchase baby powder. But if they did, what they would find is that it's perfectly safe. Um, but that's not what they're hearing. No, look, and this is the thing. Look, you know, I, um, I actually, I I blogged on this and I actually noted this uh, study, um, examining the ways in which asbestos is detected in talc. Look, talc is a mineral, right? It comes out of the earth and there can be lots of other minerals in the talc. It's, it's, um, you know, it's not always pure. And so they have to run tests. The test that was done that detected, you know, a teeny, teeny, teeny amount of asbestos. But that was later, that same sample was later tested and found not to have asbestos in it. But of course, you only hear that, oh my gosh, you know, one test was, and they found asbestos. You don't hear that the follow-up test didn't find anything. I think it's also important to talk about juries. A lot of these cases, you know, they're being heard by jurors who are not, (laughs) they're not necessarily scientists. I mean, Maybe they have a geologist on the jury. Maybe there's one mineralogist. Maybe there's one toxicologist. Highly That's unlikely. Highly unlikely. And, and, and let, let's talk about, uh, you know, I read these studies. I mean, it's my job to read these studies. And sometimes I am like just mouth agape. I don't understand what I'm reading because I am not a geologist. I am not a mineralogist or a toxicologist. And so these things are difficult 
to understand. And so you imagine that a jury is sitting there, they see this man or this person or this woman or whatever with, you know, a terrible disease who's suing a big, big, big company, right? And the idea is, I think this is really important. It's not just that, oh, the, you know, this can, you know, talc has asbestos in it and causes cancer. It's this idea that Johnson and Johnson, and this is the narrative that Johnson and Johnson has been hiding this from the public for years and years, which is of course untrue, but also an insane business model. They wouldn't be doing that. They wouldn't do that. And so, but the idea is a juror sees this, you know, sympathetic figure, someone who's essentially dying of cancer and, and the defendant is a, is a you know, is, is a gigantic, farm, you know, uh, you know, personal care product um, uh, company. Uh, it, it, yeah, and, it's, and it's David versus itself, Goliath. And, and the subject itself is incredibly complex and so, and, and, and scientifically complex. And so I'm not surprised that juries are awarding these, you're right, these David and Goliath kind of, they see it as a David and Goliath and they're giving David these huge payouts. Because it's hard not to feel bad for, for David. Um, but that is, that's a real problem in our legal system. And it's a problem for, you know, for these cases that, again, are very scientifically dense. Right. It is a problem in our legal system because what you're asking ordinary people to do is to um, observe a battle of the experts, if you will, and then to determine which expert and which study they think is most scientifically valid. And that is extremely difficult for most people to do, and you're going to get some juries that come out one way and some that come out another way, even if the consensus of the scientific community is really all in one direction. Yeah, and and this is the other thing. Look, you know, science is not like, um, I would say the scientific process is is almost sort of anathema to the legal process, where the legal process you look for, like, evidence that points to a certain way. Well, the scientific sort of, you know, scientific inquiry isn't like that. We're constantly learning things and evolving and finding new evidence and finding changes, finding evidence that changes um, the consensus. A lot of times scientific studies will vary. Um, Even peer-reviewed studies will vary. And yes, there's consensus, but there's wiggle room in there. And so it's really mm-hmm. hard in these things because you can find scientific studies that say one thing and then find a, a, an equally reputable scientific study that says the other thing. And then we all know that there's a whole nother Pandora's box of junk science or paid for science or activist provided science um, that looks official but really isn't and is yet still very convincing to a jury. Right. And the role of the judge really there is to to weed out um, that type of science and not allow it before the jury. Um, But oftentimes that that doesn't go as it should. Um, And those things do end up before a jury, which is unfortunate. Well, these lawsuits, I mean, we're talking about 15,000 now, you know, lawsuits now that um, and, we're, and, and again, I mentioned earlier, we're seeing this also, um, there were huge payouts against the chemical glyphosate, which is a, is a very, very safe, non-carcinogenic uh, uh, pesticide that, that you know, millions of farmers use, use uh, safely around the world. And there was a judgment recently, um, you know, against glyphosate, saying that it, it, it caused this particular man's um, cancer. And now that company, it was Monsanto, it's now Bayer, fighting those lawsuits as well. And we have the same kind of situation here where it's very scientifically dense, it's very complicated. Um, and again, you have uh, e- even 
um, agencies, health agencies, for instance, international health agencies that are run by very political um, leadership and, you know, basically release reports that are inaccurate and go against really much more respected science um, in the area. And so we're seeing this um, across the board and we're seeing, um, you know, again, the, 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 the biggest cost of this is, of course, you know, how does this make consumers feel? Who can they trust? Um, can, they can't trust the big business. They can't try, trust the, um, the health organization. Um, it really leaves consumers wondering, you know, wondering what products are safe, what products aren't safe. Um, they start to right. doubt their own interests on this stuff, and, and it's, a, it's a huge mess. The one thing I think is really interesting about both the um, baby powder cases against Johnson & Johnson and also the um, Roundup, the glyphosate uh, uh, cases against Bayer is that the companies in both cases have a business incentive to, to settle these cases, right? There are thousands and thousands of cases, you know, with even one or two runaway juries could be very dangerous. So they have these, they have an incentive to settle the cases, but at the same time, they don't want to pull the products off the shelves because they believe that the products are safe. Um, and they can't put any sort of warning label on the product. In fact, the government prohibits them from putting warning labels on the product because the government says that would be a lie because these things are safe. So if you're warning people against something that isn't true, that's false advertising. So they can't do that. They don't want to pull the products off the shelves. But how do they settle the cases without, you know, but also limit future cases from coming forward. So they're, they're actually kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place on this. Oh, oh, completely, completely. It's interesting, Johnson Johnson, actually, when I was researching this piece, actually, um, I, I found their statement on, um, uh, after they settled one lawsuit, they sure there are one-off situations where settlement is a reasonable alternative the decision to resolve any particular case in no way changes our overall position that our stock is safe um, and asbestos free and does not cause cancer. And so, okay, so I found that quote and I put it in my piece um, because I think it's important to see that this company is, is saying, look, it does not cause cancer. It's asbestos free. We are, you know, we are, we are declaring that. Um, but again, this doesn't get any media coverage. And, you know, I, I, look, I understand that businesses have to make these calculations but when you do that, when you settle, um, because nobody will cover your statements and the media won't, won't, it won't cover the fact that, that Johnson & Johnson is saying it's, it's asbestos-free and it does not cause cancer, then, you, then just by settling this and by under, and it, you know, you're, you're, you're sending a message to consumers um, that is essentially, like you said, it is essentially the warning label. And, uh, you know, I look, again, I have great sympathy for these companies, but they are, when they settle, and I know that, that, that in many cases they don't have a choice, but it is a, it is a message, and it, it is a de facto warning label on their product. Um, and well, and it, incentivizes, it incentivizes the plaintiff's bar and incentivizes yes. more lawsuits. So that's exactly right. They're not really solving the problem in the long run. No, they're not. And look, I think a lot of corporations, this is why you see, um, you know, you, you see the nervousness 
among uh, uh, in sort of the corporate world of these activist organizations that that do accuse them of things, right? Of environmental degradation, of causing health problems. I mean, like I've been following this issue for so long. At one point, some activist group was blaming the toys and Happy Meals on the entire childhood obesity issue. I mean, these activists are really creative. Now, that was we we laugh at that now because that's that's sort of past. Nobody's really talking about that. But at mm. the time, that was a major headache for McDonald's. Okay, and you had them sort of doing flip flops, and then and then and that that caused them to change the Happy Meals. I mean, do you remember the old Happy Meals? It was you know it was a six chicken nugget or four four to six chicken nuggets and a regular size small fry. Now what you get is you get you know the chicken nuggets, and then you get this. It's like a thumb size fry. Literally, the bag is the size of my thumb. Oh, that's hilarious. It's got six fries in it, and then you get baby carrots and then you, or apple slices, and you get like a yogurt or whatever. I mean, fine. But I don't know any kid that was happy with that, nor any parent that was happy with those changes. And so companies really do react to this stuff. They really get nervous when activists start agitating. They look for changes. How can we make these people happy? And ultimately, it's so that they will go away. It's not to actually make the consumers happy. It's to make the activists happy. And so I think this is... And the activists are never going to be happy, as we know. They're never going to be happy. They're never going to be happy. And the only way that they will be happy, really, for for instance, Johnson & Johnson, is if this talc is pulled off the shelf, right? That's what they want. And then then they'll just find a different Johnson & Johnson product. That's what Johnson & Johnson needs to understand. This isn't a battle about talc. It's It's a battle over their entire line of products. Every well, arguably, it's, it's a battle over capitalism, and it's an attempt by activists to use the court system to redistribute wealth. I mean, that's when you that's really a, yeah, look yeah. at it in the big picture, that's what it is. Yeah. And look, this is what they try to do, and I consider this this tout case a case of when activists try, um, you know, because they, they often, they tried the regulatory approach. It, it often is too slow for them. They're now in the court. But ultimately what they try to do, and they know that this is really effective, is they try to create false consumer demands. And so what they're doing now is they're through these lawsuits and because they know they have partners in the media, they will they are trying to get people to be so scared that they don't then purchase talc. And so eventually, you know, look, if this continues and people continue, you know, in my blog post on this, I talked about that, how a friend of mine was like, ooh, do you use this? I hear it causes cancer. They're trying to just put that teeny seed of doubt so that ultimately it gets pulled off the shelf because nobody's buying it. So right. the goal is ultimately to get them off the shelf. They'll use however, they, you know, whatever methods. That, but the lawsuits is a really nice way of doing it. Um, it, 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 it really, it, it, it kills two birds. It gets people scared right. and it gets you payouts. Right. So talk to us a little bit about how these, mass tort, tort lawsuits threaten innovation generally? Because your, your center is really focused on um, innovation and progress. And so what do these lawsuits do to that process? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, interesting, I, I'll go back to the glyphosate question. You know, glyphosate's a great product, very popular with, uh, with farmers. They have to use a very, very small amount of it uh, to be effective. You often see pictures of you know, big, scary men uh, um, all, you know, dressed in these sort of hazardous suits and they're spraying uh, uh, crops. Or you'll see a plane, you know, dumping, you know, spraying over a field the size of a football field and they're spraying this stuff out of the back of a plane. 
Well, it's actually for an entire football field size field. You only need a, about a Coke can of glyphosate and the rest is water. It's a lot of, it's mostly water, um, but it has a little bit of this glyphosate in it. And it, it, it is in a very, it's a very effective pesticide. Um, if we get rid of glyphosate and there are, there are, uh, there's a tremendous effort to ban this product across the nation and it's already banned in some European countries. Um, we will have to use much harsher pesticide farmers, not we farmers will have to use much harsher pesticides that are cancer causing that do cause tremendous damage to the earth and soil. And so when I talk about these issues, what frustrates me is often, you know, a hundred years ago or, you know, 50 years ago when they were using this other class of pesticide that was much harsher, um, eventually they developed glyphosate, which was an improvement and now because of ignorance about agriculture and, and agrochemicals um, and toxicology um, and the activists who constantly agitate about this stuff and get regulatory bodies to back them, um, you, have this, the, where, we, you have this situation where we might take a product that's better, that was progress, that marked progress in agriculture. We will then get rid of it and we will go back you know, to, to a stage where we're using harsher chemicals. And then, of course, the activists will agitate about that one, and then some bright guy will invent glyphosate again, and we'll be back to where we were. And so this is what frustrates me. This is what frustrates me, is you see this cycle all the time, all the time. And often what these people do is they will say, you know, look, look, we're all, you know, kids are dying, you know, rates of, you know, they'll, they'll make up all these statistics. Look, if you look at the human trajectory, we are doing great. We live in better times than ever before. And so I think sometimes when you get into these alarmist stories or hear about these alarmist stories, it's really helpful to sort of pull back and say, right. you know what, the world, the world is a better, safer, cleaner, healthier place. Humans are, are, are healthier um, and, and living longer than ever before. And, uh, and it's, it's important to keep that sort of, that sort of perspective uh, because there's just an awful lot of, of alarmist sort of gobbledygook out there that makes you think the world is getting worse. I think that's a great note on which to end, Julie, because really there's so much to be optimistic about. I mean, we, as you said, we live in a time of, you know, the greatest innovation, economic expansion, um, health improvements in human history, and it's important to keep that in mind. It really is. Thank you for joining us again today, Julie. We hope our listeners learned something from this conversation. Um, anyone who is interested in learning more about this topic can check out Julie's work at IWF.org. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the work of the Independent Women's Law Center. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, you're in control. I think, you think, she thinks.